So Hans, NIST 2, not really for hotels? Maybe not, but NIST 2 is there for MSPs. Hotels work with MSPs. So if your MSP doesn't have their act together, you got a problem. What is NIST 2 and how will it impact the hotel industry? Will this be another PCI compliancy-like load of work without any efforts? Or a GDPR-like law which is never maintained? Who needs another paper tiger? Welcome to Never Check Out. We welcome Hans ten Hove in our studio. Who is Hans according to Bing Chat? Hans ten Hove is the Area Vice President Continental Europe at Datto, a company that provides IT solutions for managed service providers. He has been working at Datto since 2019 and has been responsible for the sales and business development of the company in Northern Europe. He has a background in manufacturing, retail, telecom and media and has participated in M&A and divestment processes. He is also a member of the Benelux Executive Council of Comtia, a leading tech association. He is not to be confused with Hans ten Hove, who is an advisor at Klaassen, Molenbeek and Partners, a financial consultancy firm for SME. Welcome Hans. Who are you really? <laughs> well, thanks George, that is an, uh, a great introduction. Um, I have to say, a lot of that's actually true, but there's also some stuff in there which is, uh, which is not true. Uh, I'm indeed responsible for continental Europe within, uh, within Datto, a Caseya company. Um, I live in Laren, here in the, the Netherlands. I love tech, I love security, that's why I love my, I love my job. Uh, and I'm also an, uh, a co-founder of the Dutch uh, Cybersecurity Assembly. That was not in here, but I think relevant for our conversation today. I think you need to call Microsoft now. Huh? I mean, a lot of information is still wrong. Exactly, and who owns the data? That should be me, right? Right. So AI, hmm. bit of a thing, right? Absolutely, yeah. So NIS2, another GDPR? There's a lot of discussion around it. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I think it goes much further than GDPR. Uh, GDPR is, of course, a law that had, an, had a big impact around privacy, whereby the topic of uh, cybersecurity and cyber awareness uh, goes beyond privacy. I think privacy is even a part of that. Uh, but the impact of uh, NIS2 and what it covers and what, it, uh, what the objective is, I think that goes much further than GDPR and also something that uh, can touch our daily lives, both as business people as well as as uh, individuals. Do you think it will be like maintained? Will, will there be fines in the future? Or is it the same as GDPR that, you know, Booking.com may know about it, but... Yeah, I, th I, I know a lot of people are quite skeptical based on the experience mm -hmm. with GDPR. Um, but as far as what I've seen and heard, heard is that they take um, NIS2 really, really serious because it has huge consequences uh, if this is not maintained in the right way. So I personally do expect that the enforcement of NIS2 will be much stronger than GDPR. Mm. And hopefully also they take the learnings from GDPR, uh, what you just said, eh, that a lot of people question what actually happens if you don't comply to it. Uh, that they take those experience and make NIS2 even stronger just because of that. Um, because if we fail to comply to NIS2, mm -hmm. we have a huge issue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you are in uh, a guest at the Never Check Out, a, a podcast or podcast about the hotel industry. Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having you. I'm happy that you ha that I have you here. Sorry for that. Um, but let's talk about hotels. Are they influenced by this or or not at all? Um, 
if you look at the specific sectors which are addressed by NIS2, uh, that's actually a quite big extension from NIS1. Uh, I think hotels are not a specific part of that in NIS2, but I think it's not so much whether you are um, part of NIS2 officially, yes or no. Uh, I think if you operate in a business critical environment, uh, where 24 hours of uptime is important, uh, you should look at NIS2. Mm. Um, let me even say, without NIS2, everything that NIS2 stands for uh, should be in place anyway. Um, and if you're in a mission critical industry, you better listen to what NIS2 means for you or for your provider, uh, because at the end it will help uh, increase your cyber resilience. And I think okay. that is what it's all about. So even if it's not the law, you it, should at least act upon it. Yeah, I, mean, I think everybody, and especially as, as a company, and especially as a company with a high uptime, uh, who, who can never be down, um, you should be um, yeah, quite, uh, quite busy with your cyber resilience. Right. Uh, because if an incident happens and you have no way to recover from that mm -hmm. or prevent it, you could be out of business. So that should be a concern anyway. Yeah. Starting 2024? Uh, 2024 in October, that's when the member states need to have their local legislation in place. Because it's a European law, right? Yeah, it's a European directive that was uh, agreed, I think, in December last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's all agreed within the European Parliament. And now it's handed over to the individual member states mm -hmm. to be translated in local legislation. And that's what the government is working on in all the member states in Europe. Right. Hopefully. <laughs> and do we need to start preparing already now? I think we can start preparing already. I think we don't need to wait for a new law to come in order to get our cyber resilience uh, together. Right, right. But is it set in stone? Do we know what to do? Um, is, is it all done? No, it's not set in stone. It's set in stone the moment the law passes in the individual member states. Uh, what that exactly will say, that is uh, only known by then. Uh, but I think a lot of things which are, uh, will be in that law are known already. If you um, look at, it depends a bit per country, but if you look at the various, um, let's say, laws or institutions in uh, the European member states, uh, you have the uh, Ministry of Economic Affairs, for instance, mm -hmm. in, in the Netherlands, who has uh, some basic cybersecurity rules in place. Uh, there's lots of cyber rules that, uh, that companies, MSPs, vendors like my company, uh, they all have things in place which helps you to increase your cyber resilience. I think what will be actually in this too will never be a big deviation from those things. Right. Because I think most people know what at the end needs to be done uh, to, uh, let's say, get your act together in a uh, cyber resilient matter. Okay. So what's the purpose then of the DCA, of the Dutch Cyber Security Assembly? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, there's quite a lot of organizations in the Netherlands who are, uh, who are doing research. Out of that research, we see that the cyber resilience is far too low, <coughs> especially in SMB-sized businesses or businesses who have outsourced their IT to MSPs. Mm -hmm. The cyber awareness with those companies in general is far too low. Um, everybody acknowledges that, mm -hmm. but the landscape is quite fragmented. There's a lot of institutions and companies who draw that conclusion, mm -hmm. and we all have our own opinion and advice, and we communicate it to our members or customers, but there's not one thing that binds us all together. And that's the reason why we founded the Dutch Cybersecurity Assembly, to have an, uh, a platform where all these companies and institutions, including the government, have a seat at the table, and we come up with 
recommendations and we come up with, um, with, with, with things around cybersecurity that we all share. Uh, try to come up with one message and then we can all start communicating that to our members, therefore making a big impact. And that's a similar thing that we have done with, uh, with NIST2, where we um, all came together right. and uh, started thinking about uh, what should be the, the base measures that you should take as an MSP mm-hmm. or as a company um, to be, uh, let's say, cyber resilient. So we came up with seven, seven measures. Mm-hmm. Um, we are still in the process of coming up with a good infographic and logo. Okay. And that's something in the next uh, weeks and months we will start communicating out. And hopefully, I think a lot of these elements will also be incorporated in, uh, in this too, but uh, that is too early to tell. Right, so it's not just a government thing. DCA is basically there to support the SMB market? The SMB market, or let's say the BV Netherlands or BV Belgium or uh, any, any, any sort of country to increase the, the cyber resilience. And the DCA was specifically built for the Netherlands. Uh, but those recommendations go cross-border because whatever we advise in the Netherlands will probably not be very much different from what will be in uh, NIST 2 for other countries. And if we take these seven directives or seven rules, we are NIS compliant? Uh, I can't officially say that because you can only be NIST 2 compliant the moment the law is there and we know what's in the law. So until that is not there, nobody can say that they are compliant. But um, I would personally say if you follow those seven recommendations, that you increase the chance of um, of, of, of cyber incidents in, an, uh, in a big way. Um, you, you can never prevent everything, but if you follow those seven measures, I think you do the most of what you can to uh, to protect yourself as an MSP uh, or as an end user or company. Right. But you don't know if you're compliant until the law is done. Until yep. that stage, uh, you have these seven rules as golden rules, basically the same as in ISO 27001, I guess. Uh, there's a correlation between those uh, between those two, but even without NIST2, I would recommend as an as a, as a company uh, have a conversation with your uh, with your MSP, with your managed service provider, uh, because there are certain things. There's a lot of things you can do. Uh, to mm-hmm. First, to make an inventory of where your vulnerabilities are, do whatever you can to protect yourself against uh, against cyber threats, and uh, always have a strategy that uh, something will go wrong one day. Mm. So make sure there's a recovery strategy. And that last part is, for instance, something that a lot of companies haven't made the right investments in. Uh, that will hopefully also be covered in NIST2, that you have that. Because they're just taking backups, so they don't have a recovery plan, they don't do the practice, they, 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 yep. they just don't know, right? They do have the data, but they don't have the systems when things go wrong. No, exactly. And uh, backup is good to prevent you against data loss. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should also have an, uh, a business continuity strategy, because business continuity protects you against downtime. Mm-hmm. And downtime is something that um, each company needs to Um, let's say calculate or think about for themselves, uh, how long can I afford to be down? Uh, And based on that answer, Mm -hmm. you should come up with cyber solutions that your vendors or um, your MSP um, can offer to you. But I'm sometimes surprised how many companies have not thought about it. Yeah, tricky question, of course, is um, you're also working for Dotto. Is it not just a commercial thingy? No, it's not a commercial thingy, because if it was a commercial thingy, then um, we, would, we would be doing it ourselves in the same way we've always been doing it. Um, when we come up with these seven cyber messages, that is not something for us. 
those are general principles that uh, companies need to uh, adhere to. Um, so our competitors, everybody, I invite everybody to follow those uh, those principles. Um, this goes really beyond the interest of, of a company themselves. But it indicates the uh, severeness of the issue, uh, that we all need to come together and have one common message, because whatever we did so far uh, did not help. Yeah, and I think even within the DCA, there's multiple MSPs in there already, right? Who are actually competitors yep. of each other. Now the DCA, there's uh, associations in there, the government is in there, a couple of security companies, but also on, on purpose, uh, a couple of uh, very large MSPs who speak on behalf of tens of thousands of end users, mm -hmm. uh, but also uh, they speak on behalf of the MSP community. Um, so all the members in there are really a good cross, how do you say it, a cross section of uh, the companies and the institutes who are certain authorities mm -hmm. on, on cyber security and cyber awareness. Yeah. <clears throat> Okay, so what, what would you say a hotel uh, needs to do? Is it just find a good MSP and, and, and get sorted? Get yourself informed on, the, on, on, the, on those seven? Yeah, I, 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 what I do think is that, um, <clears throat> especially the upcoming law, uh, this is something that MSPs need to comply on. And this is something where the companies for NISTU also need to comply on. Mm -hmm. Uh, in many cases, you see that end customers choose an MSP because it's convenient. It's somebody around the corner, it's somebody they worked with in the past, and that's the reason why they work with that MSP. I think the upcoming law is a good moment also for hotels to rethink, am I working with the right MSP? Uh, not because it is convenient that they are around the corner, but uh, are they the ones who have everything in place to advise me and help me to be uh, compliant with NIST2, mm -hmm. uh, but in general to help me be um, cyber cyber resilient. Um, I think it's a good moment to rethink that. Uh, it also goes the other way around. If you as an MSP are responsible for um, the outsourced IT services of your end customers, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you also need to make sure that um, the right investments are made, according to NIST2, by that end client. And if they don't make those investments, you might be liable as an MSP. Right. So, so that's we, something to think about. Yeah. Because there might be MSPs rejecting certain clients because they can't afford the risk of an end client not willing right. to invest in a solution that is very much necessary to invest in. So it's a chain responsibility, even from the software vendors, hardware vendors, MSPs, uh, hotels. Yeah. I think in a, in a good business partners, partnership, it's, all, it's always an, mm -hmm. a shared responsibility. But now more than ever, because there's a law behind it and there's penalties behind it, there's liability behind it. Yeah. So quite a risk, but also quite a possibility to get things straight for once and for all. I think it's, I'm an optimistic person, but I think it's an, uh, it's an opportunity. Right. It's an opportunity to, uh, to get your stuff together. Um, but at the end, uh, the best possible uh, experience for your end customers, the guests of hotels, mm -hmm. uh, that you work with an, with an hotel that uh, takes care of your data and always makes sure that uh, everything is available in a safe manner. I think everybody benefits uh, from that. So hopefully this is a reset in the general thinking about cyber awareness and hopefully a call to action to invest where investments are necessary. Right, so not just the coffee machine, but also your cyber security. First is cyber security, and when you can uh, sleep at night because you've got your stuff arranged, then the coffee in the morning tastes even better. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Hans. Great story. You're welcome, Sjors. So, um, 
For our viewers and listeners, I hope this was an inspiring session for you. Please subscribe to the podcast by clicking on the link. And remember, you can always check in, but never check out.